Let us pray. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. 2 Chronicles 17.10 Before I start my day, I will first spend it in your presence. Through this decision, your truth spoken to me in today's reading has set me up for success. Thank you that through the story of Jehoshaphat and Ahab, I see the importance of not moving on a matter until I get your word on it. Protect me from the advice of others that would have me die on the battlefield of my dreams because I did not wait for the true answer of the Lord. Stick my feet to the ground until I've clearly heard from you. Help me to recognize people-pleasers who just want to be yes-men and yes-women in my life. Your word, your yes, is the final say in my life. Therefore, I will thank you in advance, because when I get my yes from you, I can trust that my outcome will be glorious and filled with your favor. In Jesus' name, amen. Listening to these daily prayers strengthens your relationship with God. Continue hearing from the Lord by listening to today's Bible in a Year. Brought to you by BibleInAYear.com Jehoshaphat and Ahab In our last story, we dove more into the mind of the witch queen Jezebel. Her evil and twisted ways had a hold on King Ahab, and she would enact cruelty on his behalf. After she had a farmer killed for his land, Elijah confronted Ahab, and he repented before the Lord. Now we learn about the righteous rule of King Jehoshaphat over Judah in his unlikely alliance with King Ahab from Israel. Their alliance proved to be a deadly one for Ahab as they pursued the Syrians, inspired by the book of 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles. Hello, this is Pastor Jack Graham with today's episode of the Bible in a Year podcast. In our previous episode, we saw just how evil and conniving and calculating Jezebel, the witch of a queen, was. She held Ahab in her power and acted with great wickedness on his behalf and with his silent consent. Elijah, the great man of God, finally confronted Ahab for his unfaithfulness and pronounced God's judgment on him and his wife Jezebel. Ahab was moved to repentance and sorrow for his actions, and the Lord showed mercy on the king. But Jezebel died in judgment. Today, we'll hear how Judah's righteous king, Jehoshaphat, formed an alliance with Ahab. These two kingdoms, so often at odds and at war, were now working together. But it will spell disaster for Ahab. So let's listen to God's word now. In the land of Judah a new king was emerging. Jehoshaphat, a young man from the line of David, had taken over as king after his father Atha. Jehoshaphat was not a man to go looking for war and conflict. However, he knew that Judah had many enemies, mainly their neighboring nation Israel. So Jehoshaphat strengthened Judah's borders and fortified its cities. He stationed troops in every town and created garrisons to stand in defense of the farmlands and villages. 
All Jehoshaphat did was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Similar to his father Atha during his younger years, Jehoshaphat was faithful and kind. He worshipped the Lord and shunned the popular images of Baal. Meanwhile, Israel under King Ahab was known for its idolatry and wicked practices. Word had spread of their run-ins with Elijah. Jehoshaphat took their conflict as a warning to continually seek the Lord and obey Him. He even sent men to remove the pagan shrines that remained in the wilderness of Judah. Because of this, the Lord blessed him with wisdom, riches, and influence. Jehoshaphat also desired that other people know the Lord deeply. He knew that without knowledge, the people would perish. Jehoshaphat's goal was to allow the entire nation of Judah to truly understand the law and love of God, as their ancestors once did. So he sent out teachers, priests, and prophets into the land to spread the word of God and teach its meanings. He sent Ben-Hiel, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathaniel, and Micaiah to teach the people the depths of God's word and his love for the people. He also sent out Levites to perform sacrifices on behalf of the villages and cities that could not afford to do so themselves. The fear and love of the Lord blew through the nation of Judah like a pleasant breeze, so much so that even surrounding nations began to take notice. Some of the Philistines, sworn enemies of God's people, would send gifts of silver and livestock to make peace. Many nations refused to declare war on Judah solely because the presence of God was known to dwell there. So Jehoshaphat became loved and respected in the whole land. The wealth of Judah began to grow, and there were great reserves for times of famine. In addition, the armies of Judah amassed in great numbers. They were well-fed, well-trained, and well-treated soldiers. Even more, they loved their king. Jehoshaphat had earned the love and favor of his men as David once did, yet he believed the time for war was over, and now it was time for alliances to be made and partnerships to be formed. Jehoshaphat extended an alliance to King Ahab of Israel, so Jehoshaphat's son and Ahab's daughter were married as a sign of solidarity between nations. Their warring against one another was to be ended through their union. A few years had passed, and Jehoshaphat had enjoyed peace with Israel and the other surrounding nations. One day he went to Samaria to visit Ahab, who had prepared a great feast in his honor. Jehoshaphat sat at the large banquet table with his officials, enjoying the company of their allies. Ahab was sitting on the opposite end of the table. He was much more quiet than usual. Jehoshaphat knew something was slightly off about Ahab's demeanor. He needed to say something. He needed to ask something. Jehoshaphat watched as Ahab finished his plate, set it aside, and cleared his throat. My friend, Ahab began, did you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to Israel? But the Syrians took it over quite some time ago. Ahab looked intently at the king of Judah. There was desperation in his eyes. Please, will you go into battle with us to take it back? Some of our people are still there, and our resources. Jehoshaphat took a moment to think. He had made a point to avoid war in the past few years. Did he want to go into battle for land that was not his? Did he want to march his men to fight to right a wrong that was not done to them? It was a difficult decision, but ultimately Jehoshaphat knew what needed to be done. What good were alliances if you did not hold your end of the bargain? You and I are one, the king said. Your people are my people, and my horses are your horses. 
Ahab was elated at his words. The two of them embraced, and the whole room continued to celebrate. Jehoshaphat raised his hand to silence them for a moment and said, However, let us first consult the Lord to see if we have his favor in this. After that, Ahab summoned some of his pagan prophets in the land. Four hundred men from Israel filtered in through the palace gates and came to Ahab's halls. Jehoshaphat watched as the idol-worshipping men of Israel gave their words. Each and every one of them gave the king permission to go into battle. Yes, they all said, God will give the king victory, they all replied. However, Jehoshaphat was not convinced they spoke for the Lord. He turned to Ahab and said, Are there any men of God in your land that could speak with us? Ahab thought long and hard about Jehoshaphat's question. He knew that there was another man who would speak faithfully for the Lord, but he often rebuked Ahab for his wicked ways. Ahab spoke and said, Yes, there is another. His name is Micaiah. However, I hate the man. He never prophesies in my favor. He only means trouble for me. The king of Judah began to worry about the man he had aligned with. He knew that Ahab had pagan tendencies and had led Israel astray once before, but he thought he had repented from that. However, now Jehoshaphat was beginning to wonder if aligning with Ahab was a wise decision. That is not how a king should speak, Jehoshaphat rebuked. Let us hear what the prophet has to say. The king of Israel nodded and sent for Micaiah. While they waited, Ahab had more of his false prophets spin stories of victory for them. They sat on their thrones and listened to the tickling words of self-serving men. They had made it their habit to say anything that pleased Ahab, but not Micaiah. Much like Elijah, he would always tell the truth, no matter how brutal. A messenger finally came to Micaiah to summon him to the palace. The messenger pulled Micaiah in close and said, Every prophet is promising the king victory in battle. Make sure you agree with them and promise the king success. Micaiah laughed at the request and shook his head. He patted the messenger on the shoulder and said, I will say what God says, no more, no less. And with that he made his way to the palace. Micaiah entered into the palace doors. The four hundred prophets lined the walls like flies to sugar. The torches were lit, and there was music playing. Clearly Ahab wanted to gain favor from his new friend, the king of Judah. Micaiah looked around and saw the king sitting on his throne. His robes were draped over the throne, and he was clothed in fine linens and gold. His flashiness disgusted Micaiah. The king glared at him. No doubt Micaiah had only been summoned because King Jehoshaphat was a man of integrity. Why else would he be asked to give counsel? Ahab sat upright and asked a question for all to hear. Micaiah, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or should I stay back? <laughs> Micaiah was entertained by the question. He smiled and did his best to initiate the pandering tone of the other prophets and said, Ah, yes, my lord and king, you shall be victorious as you are in all your ways. Go and be brave. Then he bowed as a close to his small performance. Ahab teemed with anger. How many times must I demand you speak the truth to me with these matters? Ahab replied sharply. Micaiah's entertained face grew darker. He sighed and pointed intently at Ahab. I have seen a vision in Israel, he said. I saw the children of Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. The Lord then spoke to me and said, Their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. 
Micaiah then shrugged his shoulders and began to turn back. Ahab leaned over to the king of Judah and said, What did I tell you? He never prophesies in my favor. This instance is no different from the rest. Upon hearing Ahab, Micaiah turned around and said, Listen to me now. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with the armies of heaven surrounding him. The Lord spoke clearly and asked all of his armies, Who will go forth and entice King Ahab to be killed? So a spirit came and said, I will send him prophets to tell him a victory. So believe me when I say that the Lord has put lying mouths in these prophets of yours to lead you into your death. As Micaiah was speaking, another prophet came up to him and slapped him across the face. Since when did God's spirit leave me to speak to you, he said. Micaiah spat out some blood from his mouth and peered up at him. You will see soon enough when you are hiding like a dog in your den. Arrest him, Ahab yelled. Put him in prison and feed him nothing but bread and water until I return from my battle. That's if you return, Micaiah yelled as he was being bound by the palace guards. Mark my words, if you return from that battle, it means the Lord does not speak through me. And with those last words, Micaiah was taken away. Despite Jehoshaphat's reservation, the two armies marched into battle the next week. When the two armies met to descend into Ramoth-Gilead, Ahab turned to Jehoshaphat and said, You continue to wear your royal armor, but I will disguise myself so nobody knows I am king. So Ahab disguised himself, knowing full well the Syrians would want to kill him. Meanwhile, on the other side of the battlefield, the king of Syria said to his commanders, I do not want much bloodshed today. Attack only the king of Israel. Do not bother with anyone else. So the battle began. The alliance of Judah and Israel charged at the Syrians. Metal and bone clashed on the battlefield, and the Syrians were intent on getting to the back of the battle to get the king. When they saw Jehoshaphat in his royal armor, they mistook him for King Ahab and charged. Jehoshaphat's eyes widened as he saw a sea of soldiers pursuing him. He planted his feet in the ground and prepared for their attack. But the Lord saved him, and as soon as the chariots drew close to him, they realized it was not Ahab and stopped. Meanwhile, Ahab was disguised as a normal soldier in the back of the battlefield. He fought very little, making sure to preserve his own safety. A barrage of arrows were suddenly shot in Ahab's direction, and he was struck in his side. Ahab writhed in pain on the floor. He called to his chariot and yelled, Get me out of here! I am wounded! So the servant propped him up on the chariot and began to weave through the battle to escape. The battle raged on violently as the Syrians looked for Ahab. However, as the sun was setting and the battle was raging, Ahab died in his chariot. In today's scripture, we read of a story of two kingdoms and two very different kings. Jehoshaphat was the son of Asa, king of Judah. And like his father and his forefather David before him, Jehoshaphat was a righteous king who earnestly sought the Lord's favor. And he not only sought favor for himself, he acted in the best interest of the people of Judah, tearing down idols not only in the prominent cities but in the dark recesses of the desert where evil tried to hide. His example is one we should follow, seeking to root out any idolatry in our life, all false gods and false ideologies, even those that we try to hide in our own life. 
God looked favorably upon Jehoshaphat and blessed him and his nation with peace, prosperity, and prominence among the neighboring nations. Jehoshaphat and Judah stood in stark contrast to Israel and King Ahab to the north. Any change of heart or repentance from Ahab seemed to be now gone, and he continued to lead people in the worship of Baal and giving his ear to false prophets. Once again, he disobeys God. King Jehoshaphat desired peace, especially with his northern neighbors, so he forged an alliance with Ahab through the marriage of his son to Ahab's daughter. Thus ended the conflict between these two nations, Israel and Judah. Ahab knew that Judah's army was strong and capable, and after a few years, he approached Jehoshaphat for help defeating Syria and reclaiming land and possessions the Syrians had taken from Israel. And though Jehoshaphat wanted peace and to avoid war, he knew it would be right to support his ally. So he agreed to help. But he wisely told Ahab that they must first seek the Lord's guidance, to seek God's counsel, to see if the battle was one God would give victory. For Ahab, the battle seemed to be no problem, for he had hundreds of men who would gladly tell him whatever he wanted to hear. Ahab then summoned these pagan prophets, and as he sat with Jehoshaphat, these men came before him and spoke only of victory, saying God would be the king. But Jehoshaphat had a discerning heart and he wanted to be sure these were, in fact, God's words. So he says in 1 Kings 22, 7, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? This is a huge reminder for us today that we must always be discerning and wise concerning so-called spiritual advice. The Bible says we are to test the spirits to see if they are from God. Ahab surely was frustrated because he knew his prophetic yes-men did not convince Jehoshaphat. He knew of a prophet who indeed spoke from God and for God, but he didn't want to hear this. So he called for Micaiah to come to him even though he never gave him a favorable word from God. As they waited for his arrival, more false prophets continued their spectacle trying to prop up the king. But when the prophet arrived, the real prophet, the word he brought was ultimately much different. He revealed a vision from God of sheep scattered on the hill and their master having been killed. After Ahab rejected this prophet, Micaiah turned around and spoke in clear terms, telling him God had sent him false prophets to entice him to war so that he would be killed. Yet even with this knowledge, Ahab insisted on going to war. But rather than bravely entering the battle as king, he tried to disguise himself while he made Jehoshaphat dress in royal garb and mount his horse. In the end, however, none of his schemes mattered because the Lord's plans will never fail. Jehoshaphat, the righteous king, was spared from death while Ahab was struck down by the enemy's arrows and died in his chariot. Next time, we'll learn more about this God-fearing righteous king of Judah, whose name is Jehoshaphat. Dear Lord, help us always to listen to you and not to others who may speak for you, but in fact tell lies. You have told us that we should discern truth from error, righteousness from unrighteousness, and your word, the word of God, for the words of men. Help us always to test the spirits to see that they are from you, and trust and obey your counsel 
as we fight spiritual battles in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's Bible in a Year podcast. I'm Pastor Jack Graham from Dallas, Texas. Let me encourage you to download the Pray.com app and always make Bible reading and Bible study a priority in your life, along with prayer. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with someone you love. Let someone know, because by sharing this podcast, you can truly make a difference in someone's life. And if you want more resources from me, Jack Graham, as to how you can grow in your Christian life, then go to jackgraham.org. That's jackgraham.org. God bless you. This episode is sponsored by MediShare, an innovative healthcare solution for Christians to save money without sacrificing quality.